Talk time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis. Rebecca, good afternoon. Uh, we're talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. We are, Don. I think it's important, first of all, to say that, you know, there's something quite irritating about people who assume that all the culture wars being fought in America are directly relevant to us, because many of them really are not. We're just in a very different position often when it comes to our discussions of things like, I don't know, gender identity or any of the stuff that kind of inflames people online. But I think it's important that to say that abortion as an issue does affect us. What happens in America to do with abortion does affect us. We know this because previously, under the previous administration, funding was cut, for instance, to global charities offering abortion services. That's one very practical way. But another way is that both pro-life and pro-choice organizations in the U.S. have already reported basically being flooded with donations as a result of this judgment. Obviously, people want people who support abortion want places like Planned Parenthood to have more money to be able to scale up their services and fight back. And the opposite is true, too, because conservatives fear that there will be an inevitable assault on this new judgment. That is going to definitely affect us because money is what makes things happen. And we already know that there is the encroachment into South Africa already of, in particular, American evangelical groups particularly looking to entrench their views on abortion here, which is why, for instance, we have in South Africa something that America also has, which are these kind of safe boxes. Sometimes the the term varies, but it's basically these sort of holes in the wall where you can deposit a newborn baby if you are not in a position to care for it yourself. And actually, this is one of the things that is being touted as a reason why we don't maybe need abortion in America, because we have these kind of services, even though people have pointed out, for instance, that the problem with that you literally don't know where these babies come from. Was, was somebody forced to deposit a baby in that box at knife point, for instance, at gunpoint? Was it an abusive partner? We don't know. Point is, groups both pro and, against, uh, pro and against abortion in South Africa are likely to feel the impact of increased funding, and that will make itself felt in our domestic disputes. There are also groups here which are working constantly in ways that people might not be aware of to try and undermine abortion legislation here. You know, they do that by, for instance, supporting doctors who don't want to perform abortions in public sector. They do that by running kind of campaigns that often stay sort of out of view and by pressurizing political parties, of which the most prominent is, of course, the African Christian Democratic Party, which has always been anti-abortion. But there's also a reason, John, why I think this is a good moment for us in South Africa to take stock of where we are at in terms of abortion. And... There's no reason for us to feel smug about the fact that we appear to have currently a more entrenched right to abortion in the Constitution. And that is because we know that what are supposed to be freely available, safe, confidential abortion services offered by the government simply do not exist. It's very difficult to tell actually how many of these services are still up and running, but it's been estimated that maybe as low as 30 percent, maybe even less. Less than 30% of the facilities that are supposed to exist from government in this country simply don't. So that we already have what should be considered actually a kind of healthcare crisis when it comes to abortion. And somehow it isn't. And that brings me to the other point, John, which is why I was really glad that you were happy to have this discussion on air. We have a real squeamishness about discussing abortion. You know, even if you compare it to the way we as a society generally talk about sex or violence or anything else, there's something, even people who on paper do support abortion 
are often reluctant to even use the word, which is why we get various euphemisms and so forth. And even politicians who support the right of women to have abortions will emphasize that, oh, but, you know, we regret that this is necessary, that we hope that many people won't have abortions, etc. I think it's it, it, the time has come that we have to have more open discussions about this. And also that there is no reason why those of us who support abortion should have to discuss it in this kind of very sensitive and cloistered manner. It's the prohibition on abortion stems purely from religion and not even a consensus among religion. We don't ordinarily allow religious principles to dictate healthcare practices, certainly not in this country, except in very unusual situations. The kind of sensitivity that many of us have been used to showing around this topic, I think, simply has to end because lives are at stake. And in my view, and I realize this will be controversial, in my view, the choice of a woman to have an abortion should be taken as no more controversial than somebody who chooses to have a tumor removed. There's a a body of cells growing within your body that you have the right to remove if you choose to. And I feel that it's only by stripping away the kind of religious elements, the shame, the guilt, etc., attached to this procedure that we can actually hope to have abortion rights entrenched, not just in this country, but everywhere. Yeah, it, it it is a... It's a reality in the lives of many women who, for all sorts of reasons, have a fetus growing within them that they do not feel able, they do not want to carry to term, they don't feel that they are able to look after that fetus once it emerges. And we don't talk enough about it. We we, we don't discuss. We don't have... I mean, somebody's just um, WhatsApp me now, Rebecca, to say regarding the point that you made about South African groups supporting public doctors who don't want to perform abortions, I feel that public health doctors should be given the option of saying no. It's the woman's right. It shouldn't be forced on a doctor. And we should be having these discussions. We, we should be exploring this. At, at what point does your obligation as a medical p- person, a nurse or a doctor, um, at what point does that obligation start and stop? Because I, as I understand it, our legislation says that if you yourself um, are, are not prepared to do a procedure, it is then your duty, your legislated duty, to give information to the patient who wants the abortion as to where she can go to have it. And we don't have, you know, discussions like that. We don't, John. And I think the reason why this is much more significant than a case of discrimination involving, say, Let's take the example often brought up of gay people trying to check into a hotel or have a wedding and the venue refuses to host them. And then, you know, there's often a brouhaha because they're not allowed to do that. But the point is, that's not life or death. It has no serious implications for health necessarily. You can simply find another venue or another hotel, even though you shouldn't have to. In the case of abortion, you need a doctor to do it for you safely. There's just no getting around that. So while I do sympathize with people who genuinely and vehemently feel that their personal religious principles don't allow them to perform them, then you're absolutely right. Not just as dictated in law, but as must happen in practice, then there must be a very clear next step in which the doctor says, I can't do this, but here's people who can, and you're welcome to access these services without me subjecting you to my judgment, which is as a result of personal beliefs I hold, which actually have nothing to do with you. What is the argument that people like you and me who are pro-choice, what is the argument that we could better make in order to persuade those people who are pro-life that 
a right of a woman to integrity and choice over her body is the right way to go. I've been thinking about this a lot, John. I mean, I suppose there's two approaches. One is that, particularly in the wake of this ruling, a lot of historians have written very interesting pieces making the point that even the religious prohibition against abortion is entirely modern. Only the Catholic Church, effectively, was the religious group which really cared about abortion until as late as the 1960s and 1970s. Even ev- evangelicals were supporting the right to abortion. So, first of all, there is no consensus certainly was no consensus until this issue was seized upon and exploited very, very um, intentionally by the right wing in America to serve other political ends. I don't know if that is a very convincing argument. But I did read another interesting thing this week from a former evangelical or someone raised in an evangelical family who was talking about what is it that those who are very opposed to abortion think about, think that liberals think about abortion. In other words, what would someone who really hates the idea of abortion say about me and why I support abortion? And his answer was that in order to convince themselves that what they're doing is right, the position they have to take is that people like you and me are simply on some level evil, that we hate life, that we have no respect for beings, etc. And I mean, that is just patently untrue, John. Because as people like you and I tend to point out, there just isn't the same regard shown for these beings when they are actually born, as we can see by the lack generally of kind of welfare services available to new mothers, to babies, etc. And, you know, it's not even the case, one could say, that anti-abortion activists really care about children, per se. And we saw that very clearly in Brazil recently, where the president, I actually don't know how to say his name, Bolsonaro, was opposed to an abortion being allowed for an 11-year-old who had been raped. I mean, that is a child, a child seeking abortion for hugely legitimate reasons. And I said, I don't think there should be any reason considered illegitimate. So I think that there should be more of an attempt to point out the hypocrisy of caring for humans only up till the point of birth. And after that, they are subject to the kinds of same you know, injustices and lack of opportunity as every other being on the planet. There's something about that that really needs further scrutiny. But I don't know what the answer to that, John, is. All I do know is that shouting at people definitely doesn't help and that positions often are hardening. And we see that all the time online. Probably such discussions are much better offline. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that we need to think about. Rebecca, there were a couple of other things that we um, had the possibility of talking about, but somehow they seem – the segue seems wrong. So um, I'm, I like them both very much, and I hope that we can talk about them next week then. No problem at all, John. Rebecca Davis, thank you very, very much indeed.